welcome to the Blend Podcast with Tom and Brendan, discussing all things e-learning, digital marketing, design and entrepreneurship. The podcast is brought to you by Blend Interactive Content. Find us on LinkedIn or www.blend.training. Hello, Brendan. How are you? Hi, Tom. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we'd dig into one of our projects and do a little case study on um, the problem solver, which is a bit different to the normal kind of things we do. So we thought we'd dig into that a bit. Yeah, this was an interesting one, especially for me, because it taught me a lot about the design thinking process. And I know that's something you've used a lot in your in your previous jobs and previous careers and, and that sort of thing. But maybe it's good to give a little bit of a summary of what design thinking means before we get into the project. Yeah. So basically, design thinking is a mindset, I suppose, for solving problems. It's taking something that is quite complex and then using small modular exercises. So design thinking is a bit like Lego, where each little exercise connects to the next exercise. And then by the end, you've followed a set of instructions that get you that builds the solution. So you can use it for all sorts of things. Basically, what we did was took a live workshop I used to do for people practically where we used post-it notes, marker pens and little voting stickers to work through a challenge people had in a group and then come up with solutions for the challenge, vote on them to align everybody and then break it down into tangible action points that people could go off and do. And it works really well because it's it's just a framework for solving problems. So it can be used for all sorts of different things. And when COVID kicked in, I started doing these workshops online using Miro, which is a whiteboard app that uh, we use a lot. Uh, we actually plan out all of our projects on that. It's great for visualizing and mapping everything out. And we thought, why not actually try and build an e-learning tool that uses the same techniques and works through the same process and see if we can help people solve problems on a one-to-one basis so they can use it as a tool but also revisit it and have multiple uses for it as opposed to a one-off piece of e-learning that teaches the process maybe we could build it so you could actually use it over and over again like a template yeah the interesting thing about this uh project for me was trying to translate something really practical really immersive really hands-on something that's really suited to kinesthetic learners in an e-learning context that was a big challenge of this project trying to keep that sort of hands-on experience and I think one tricky thing about it was in design thinking workshops you're working with other people as well and you're communicating with other people Mm. and you're decide you're voting for things as teams this one was a single player exercise uh, we had to try and think of a way to keep that engagement going and we can I guess we can get into the project now the key consideration for us was to try and incorporate the energizing level of contact that you have with other people in a practical workshop everyone will have found with doing too many zoom calls is that it just drains you because you don't get that face-to-face live interaction you don't get to stimulate the other people in the workshop with your energy and enthusiasm 
And so translating that into a piece of e-learning where you're completely detached, not just from the other people doing it, but you're actually having to do it on your own was a big consideration. And so that was one of the main challenges for that from a design perspective. Yeah. And one of the other main challenges we had was trying to help the user break down this sort of overwhelming feeling of the question how do I solve this problem and then expect an answer immediately and one thing I really like about design thinking is breaking things down into these micro tasks breaking the problem down into smaller problems that can be much more manageable and can be solved much more easily and I think this was always in the back of our minds when we were designing this project solving a problem when you're just asking it in a general way it's quite a difficult thing to answer otherwise we'd all have no problems so yep. it's trying to break down these things into smaller ch- like chunking and yep. we always had to keep this in the back of our mind when we were designing and storyboarding and working out the process of of learning yeah because there's that thing of often the problem with solving something is that you are living in the moment there's a level of awareness that you need to develop and get used to developing say for example you feel distracted at work if you start with i feel really distracted at work it's a statement not a entrance or a start to solving a problem it's just a it's almost like matter of fact and so one of the things that design thinking does well is to change the phrasing of challenges and statements and ask questions so, for example, if you rather than saying uh, I feel really distracted at work, you would change it to a how might we question or how might I if you're doing it on your own. And the idea is, is from a psychological perspective, it, it's a lot more open. It, it starts the it's, it removes the barrier to working out a solution. So it would it would become how might I reduce the distractions at work? And then suddenly your brain can, the gears can start turning and you can start working it out. So that was one of the key things that when we designed it, it was actually, let's start with the problem that the person has and then make them rephrase it using the how might I. And then what we did was we made it so they could write down possible solutions with a timer because the timing's important and it sets a it prioritizes the thinking and it makes you work to a deadline and it actually helps uh helps get it done a lot quicker when you don't have constraints it can actually go on for quite a long time and you can go off path whereas this the idea is to keep focus so we used a timer and then what we did was we took them through a stage of voting and having to prioritize and choose a priority and not just say oh they're all kind of important is pick the ones that are really important using the little colored dots and that was where the kinesthetic aspect came in so you have to pick up and place those dots to vote on the ones that you want yeah and then we go back to another level of rephrasing to say like okay so this is the main problems that you're having now you rephrase it as just saying how might i solve this problem of the noise in my studio that is keeping me distracted and then you go back in and you do it again and by the end you end up with a very clear set of instructions that you've generated themselves that's what's key is that taking a workshop that is in itself very organic i mean you're walking around talking to these people you're guiding them through the process of understanding how to change their mindset they can actually do it themselves in the e-learning and so it's a gentle kind of mentoring guiding approach to it while having that 
kinesthetic approach. Yeah, one thing that you mentioned there that I think is worth talking about, reframing questions, and it almost goes into neuro-linguistic programming concepts and that type of thing when you're just talking about reframing in general, you know, and, and that is a really powerful tool, just changing the phrasing or the wording of questions to make it much more palatable and to change that sort of chip in your mind to be able to be like, oh, okay, we're put like that, I can actually answer this now. That was really yeah. important. And I think that was the core of the whole project, actually, just helping people reframe a problem so it becomes much easier to to analyze. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's, there's so powerful language in terms of saying things like, oh, I'm just in a dip, as opposed to saying, I'm stuck, I don't know what to do. <clears throat> you can literally, with little tweaks to phrasing, you can really make a big difference. Something else that I really like, how many parallels there are between design thinking and learning theory. This idea that the learning experience, you know, is a cycle that people go through in like multiple iterations. And it's not you're given this piece of information and then you understand it. That's very didactic and that's very old fashioned. It's understanding that your your learning experience informs the process and your questions are being reframed as you're going along your voting patterns are changing for what the priority is of the project as you're going along and i really like this idea in design thinking that the problem and the potential solution is constantly being iterated depending on the on the information you're feeding it exactly it's like a chain all the little rings of the chain as it goes along are little exercises that are quite focused and structured but they have the potential to lead in any different direction and you end up with quite a flexible framework but a very very strong one that leads you towards where you need to get it's it's a bit like drilling down in the in the same way that psychology the idea is is to just keep asking why until you reach bedrock as to what an issue is or what a solution might be so yeah this was one of the things that we looked at and in terms of design we wanted to make sure that it was as close to well, I suppose we kept in in keeping with the post-it notes, the whiteboard look, a kind of a clean design aesthetic. So it was not a distraction and instead they could focus. And that's actually one thing we did with the music as well. So in the way that people center, your brain's always looking for patterns. So when you listen to music, everyone's able to even almost sing a song and or at least hum along to a song or tap their foot to a song they've heard for the first time because the brain automatically looks for pattern recognition and that kind of thing and so when you are trying to concentrate on a problem having some auditory elements that are non-pattern based so for example white noise sounds of the ocean things like that uh, waterfalls or whatever your brain sort of switches off it stops looking for the patterns and starts relaxing and if you're trying to use it in a problem solving scenario, you'll actually be able to focus more. So what we did was we used non-repetitive music that was almost like an organic flow of background music to actually put you in a in a kind of focused state. I think a cool thing about this project was, again, previous experiences feeding into this project in different ways. So clearly you've used design thinking a lot. You've used it in all aspects of of your career even before instructional design and e-learning and again just coming back to this idea of the overlap between design thinking and learning models we were able to integrate both into the project in terms of design thinking 
how the visuals and and how the sort of kinesthetic ways of doing a project can help how trying to break down the project into micro tasks can help but for me there was something really important about learning design in this project where it was the user feeding in the questions and the answers it wasn't an educator it wasn't a teacher saying okay answer this question you were actually just tempting or encouraging the user to come up with the questions also you know through reframing and I think that was really interesting you were sort of you weren't really being a teacher in the conventional way you were sort of just facilitating the learner's journey in the same way a therapist doesn't directly tell a patient what to do they just keep drip feeding sort of comments or information to help the learner get there in their own way and this is really important because the learner feels empowered in their own learning they feel accountable for what they're doing therefore they're more engaged they're more committed to the process well they own the process by the end of it exactly so they're confident they can use the same going forward you actually used a term that was exactly what we were doing the facilitation and the design thinking workshops things like that the actual job title of someone who does what we were doing with this project is called a facilitator so that's the key is not being the one that generates the answers but facilitating the learner themselves answering their own questions. Yeah, and I think my favourite thing about the project was you had this real tangible step-by-step framework task list at the end that the user, the learner, could then go off and actually do. You know, there's something tangible there. It wasn't... Uh, it, what, when you completed this this activity, it wasn't just some airy-fairy, fluffy thing to how you can solve your problems. It was like, no, step one, do this, next, do this, next, do this. And that's what I really liked. It gave the user something to go away with at the end of the process. Yeah, it it, brought, it took something that was an, in, an intangible problem and gave you a tangible step-by-step answer. Ourselves at Blender heavily influenced by this type of um you know learning theory or design thinking when we do our own workshops when we meet clients for the first time and we do our needs analysis with them and we try and dig deep with clients and try and understand what they want find out what the learning objectives are there's we do a lot of the similar sort of thing to the problem solver when we actually work with clients directly yeah this is part of the thing that appealed was needs analysis is about asking questions your goal is not to be there to give them the answers your goal is to facilitate the answers out of the subject matter expert or client it was a really nice crossover because we actually use Miro the the whiteboard app for all of our projects don't we we pretty much visualize out and map not just each individual project but also blends business plan and all of the aspects of our website our blog posts our client research our resources everything so it's embedded in in our kind of core approach to everything yeah and this design thinking approach as well when we're talking about the needs analysis or interviewing subject matter experts during projects it's about us using the best methodologies or the best ways to extract information it's not yeah. telling people what they should or shouldn't do it's it's leading people to a point where we're getting the best quality information out of them and this is something that, you know, we have to continually work on because it's quite a subtle thing. And someone just watching from the outside might, you know, not see any real difference. But it's the types of questions you ask. It's how you lead clients towards a certain thought process or and design thinking and learning theory can get really interesting. 
thinkers out there who we've studied david kolb's learning theory i'll put that in the show notes he talks about how design thinking is a is a lens as an experiential learning process can like dig a bit more deeper in the theoretical side of it that really help in a more tangible way when you're interviewing clients where you're trying to get certain information out of them where you're trying to lead them to a certain point so we have the best possible information to build the highest quality course we can potential problem you can have with clients is you ask certain questions they give you certain answers you make the project and that's not actually what they want and then you've already committed to putting in a lot of time and effort into a certain project which actually wasn't wasn't really what they wanted and they just weren't able to explain what they wanted properly at the start our job is to ask enough questions in the right direction with enough depth that we get to the root of what is it the client needs and how can we help them not just okay well what do you what do you want when i say that the client hasn't explained themselves properly or they don't have the right project at the end that would be completely our fault that happened because as you said part of the role of an instructional designer is to make sure that doesn't happen that's in your job description to make sure that doesn't happen can't blame the client for that and the thing is once you understand that like you said understanding that everything is your fault you can use this tool to really dig in and understand that okay i'm going to take control of this i'm going to ask all the right questions and i'm going to facilitate the best possible project and help the client as much as possible it's sort of natural and there's an element of human nature in just wanting to get stuck into the development side of the project and building something and Mm. skip the design phase the storyboarding the needs analysis the subject matter expert interviews all of this type of stuff because you just want to get stuck into making the thing of course there's always that temptation to want to do that but it's just another example this project that we did here was just another example another confirmation to us that you can't skip any of these steps they're super important the more in depth you are at this phase the easier your life's going to be later down the road definitely and i think like you said people have a tendency to jump straight into the thing they enjoy i mean i i love doing animation and i'll always happily look forward to that part but the thing is is you need to make sure that the project and the, the solution that you're coming up with is for the client and to help the client not because it's deep down what you would like to do and jump into the bits that you want to do and that's why focusing on the beginning with the needs analysis the design thinking aspect is key because that's where you get to know your client yeah definitely all right mate yeah so we everyone go and have a go at the problem solver and let us know how you get on let us know what problems you solve and uh, yeah <laughs> brilliant yeah, yeah you can find it you can find it on our website anyway All right, mate. Nice one. I will speak to you soon. Yeah. Bye, Tom. Thanks for listening to The Blend Podcast. It's available on Spotify, Google, and Apple. You can find Blend Interactive content on LinkedIn or www.blend.training. Don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time.